0: welcome back to another episode of the silent battle i hope everyone is having a great week so far i'm really excited for this segment today again i am your host erica honeycutt and today i will be interviewing jennifer average jennifer is from dillingham alaska and she has non-specific interstitial pneumonia nsip she has been battling nsip for almost 10 years. Today, she is going to share her raw and candid story about her journey with NSIP and how she manages her symptoms. Also, she will give us some tips, if she has any, on what may help you all out there to live life more easily as we battle our autoimmune diseases. Let's get started. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for being part of the Silent Battle podcast today.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad
0: to be here. Well, we are so excited to have you today. Jennifer, can you again tell our listeners the name of your autoimmune disease and share your story with us regarding when this autoimmune disease showed up in your life?
1: Yeah, so so I have NSIP, like you said, mm-hmm. non-specific interstitial pneumonia. Um, it's weird it's probably a similar story to Many of us out there, and that um, I was young, I was overweight. I was 280 pounds. I'm only five two, mm-hmm. and I was. I'd gone to a boot uh, boot camp to try to lose weight, and um, this was, you know, I was in my 30s and early 30s, and I was going to boot camp every week, really, just like three or four times a week, mm-hmm. working out hard, and I just wasn't getting better. Like I wasn't able to do as much as everybody else after six, eight weeks, and finally I went to the doctor and said. Listen, I just can't catch my breath and I've been doing this long enough, I should be able to." And he's like, oh, you just have to exercise and do stasma and he gave the medication for it. Mm-hmm. I tried that for a long time and, and then finally I went in there in tears I was like, listen, I'm going to this boot camp, religiously, I'm working, I'm sweating and I just, something is wrong. And finally he did a CAT scan and when he, and I was in Alaska at the time still, mm-hmm. I've been in Alaska since 24, and in Alaska when he saw the CAT scan he's like, I've never seen this before and so mm-hmm. and I said okay well He's like I'm gonna send you to Anchorage which well, I was in a small town <laughs> and uh, I was like okay so I went to Anchorage and they looked at it and we did the biopsies and mm-hmm. stuff, you know down nose first and that didn't show anything and then finally the lung biopsy right. <clears throat> but that doctor said he'd only seen it a couple times and so um, he sent me to Seattle and that's where I've been being treated it since uh, Seattle so that's how I got diagnosed, was, was basically I was trying to work out and, and, you know, do better and noticed as I was pushing myself right. that I couldn't breathe as well as everybody else.
0: What did uh, the doctor see on the CAT scan?
1: Um, they saw the interstitial inflammation. They, they saw that it was something, you know. Um, uh, and he didn't really want to do a CAT scan because he said, oh, I don't like doing CAT scans to young people. You know, and I was like, "Well, something's going on." You know, the right. an X-ray and nothing shows up, and finally agreed to the CAT scan, and um, that's when he was alarmed at what he saw because it was definitely not not normal, healthy lungs. You know.
0: Did you have any scarring visible?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. At that point, it was uh, it was some minor scarring, but mostly just just inflammation.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you you pushed for a CAT scan in the first place because, you know, um, you know, you have to, we, we know our bodies, you know, and, and if you, yeah. if you feel like something is wrong, you definitely have to advocate for yourself and, and push to get things done that you, that you need.
1: Yeah. And doctors are so easy to say, oh, you're just overweight and out of shape. And, you know, well, I've been doing this boot camp for a year at this point. Right. It's like, no, I'm no, it's not that. Right. And so, uh, yeah, no, I knew I knew my body I knew something wasn't right. Finally, I just kind of had to get angry,
0: which is not my style at all. But I definitely, now, uh, I, like band. I definitely commend you for that because, like I said, it's very important for, uh, you know, you all out there to to advocate for yourself and you know when you yeah. know something's wrong, push to have the push, you know, push talk to the doctors, keep pushing to have the right test so you can reach the right diagnosis. Yeah. Um, yeah. what symptoms did you have in the beginning uh, before you were diagnosed with NSIP I know you said you were kind of you were short of breath was that the only yeah. thing that you were experiencing
1: yeah that was the only thing I mean I'm not a big I don't go to the doctor very often even now I just mostly go for my NSIP but um, mm-hmm. you know I was kind of a more of a tough it out you know you'll get better type thing Right. but what, what alarmed me was some minor chest pain with exercise and I just couldn't catch my breath you know like like I thought I should on heavy cardio you know like you right know, and people probably have it similar I could do light cardio walking when right. oxygen saturations up mm-hmm. but when you start pushing hard you know going upstairs that's when you start to see the disease and, and its full effect and um that's when I was seeing because we were doing intense cardio you know boot camp
0: no, I can. I can. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: It was just it was shortness of breath and just not feel like I was out of breath more, more right. than just a workout.
0: Yeah, and I can I, I can completely relate with you on that because I actually have NSIP as well, and so um, you know the shortness of breath, like you said in the beginning, it's very alarming, especially when you're in your, you know, you're so young and you know you begin to. Like you said, walking up a flight of stairs is so taxing on your body. You definitely know that that something's wrong. Something's not normal. Right, right. Has it been hard for you to adjust to uh, taking medications for an SIP? Like what uh, medication regimen are you on?
1: Um, I'm, on, I'm down to five milligrams of prednisone.
0: That's wonderful.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, that's basically what your body produces because my body probably wouldn't produce it on its own at this point. But I've been on prednisone for so long. Um, and then I'm on cellcept uh, fifteen hundred milligrams twice a day, and then just recently started off um, one hundred fifty milligrams twice a day um, and Bactrim, um, three times a week. Okay. And then the calcium, uh, uh once a week. So, um, yeah, the medications are, uh, you know, just remember to take them twice a day. I can always remember to take them in the morning, but it seems like that evening dose is harder to remember. Right. Um. Yeah. How do uh, the but,
0: How do the medications make you feel? Do you feel, um, uh, you know, like, cause I know that they they're really hard on your GI tract. Yeah, the
1: old fat is really hard. It's, uh, yeah. Not to be too gruesome, but I haven't had a, a solid bowel movement since I've been on it. But uh,
0: I understand. Um,
1: <laughs> but, I mean, it's not, like, it's not, uh, it doesn't affect my daily life. I mean, you know, I just, you know, realize that's what it is And, and right. grateful that I'm blessed to have the insurance to afford it, and hopefully it'll stabilize me and give me more time with my family.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, just,
1: it, it is what it is, you know, you just
0: deal with it. Absolutely. Um how do you is there any um besides the medications how do you manage uh your symptoms uh from day to day now
1: you know i'm really i'm really lucky and it's i i just feel blessed every day because um i look at i you know because i'm a member of a lot of facebook post groups that's how i met that's how i ran into you mm-hmm. erica and but uh, watching other people with a similar disease um have different you know problems and stuff and I've been lucky in that I'm not on oxygen yet um I uh, my but my my lung capacity is at 48 which there's many people that are at 48 that are on oxygen right.
0: um,
1: and so uh, but I'm not on oxygen yet I can maintain my saturation as long as I you know don't push too hard and I'm kind of getting I'm learning when that is and you know as, as you you know, I've worn the saturation monitor before to kind of get an idea of what 80 feels like, you know? Right, and right. so I, I know and I always carry one with me. And I just take it easy and know that I can not do four flights of stairs, you know? Right. I can do one flight of stairs at a time with a minute break, you know? And that's just... Taking it easy and slow, and not getting in a
0: hurry to do anything. And, well, it's definitely um, a blessing that you're you're not on oxygen, uh, you know. And I hope that yeah. you continue um, yeah. to to not be on to not be on oxygen and be able to manage without oxygen. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're so active. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I i i I, voted, I
1: mean, early on in the disease. Uh-huh. you know, like I said before, I was 280 and, um, the doctors, of course, are telling me, I lose weight and they were, I was on really high doses of prednisone at like that, like 60 milligrams oh, and as yeah. much as the doctors say, you know, you can lose weight on prednisone, there's not calories in the, in the medication Right. you know, it's kind of wrong for them to do that to people, but it's I hard. tried, I was working hard yeah. and couldn't lose weight and so I opted for the gastric bypass and, um, I contributed a lot of my success to that and that might not be the right for someone else but right. um, it helped me it helped me lose the weight and it and I I breathing better without the weight I went from 280 to 120 that first year and now I'm stabilized at 140. That's um, awesome and I think that helps a lot I really do
0: that I mean I, I imagine it did and that's awesome um, you know that you. We're able to have the the gastric bypass and you know and you're doing so well you know now that you've had it because yeah. um you know the extra weight i mean i'm sure sh- i mean it affects your breathing um i know that okay. i you know i started with uh the 60 milligrams of steroids and it seemed like i i gained so much weight overnight and then the doctors they push you so hard to try to get it off and you know it's. It's almost I mean it's it's doable but it's it's just so hard it really is so I mean yeah. you know have
1: them go uh, drag a oxygen cylinder to workout class and work out and tell them how easy it is it's not it's hard
0: it's you not know, easy you don't
1: lose weight and you gotta carry, it's, well being a oxygen when you work out is, is terrible it is
0: and they just don't get it it's, it's hard it's, it's definitely hard it's you know like I said it's doable but it's just, I mean, it's not good, it's not easy. It's definitely a challenge. Um, yeah. How do you feel about the lack of information out there on NSIP? And I ask you this because there isn't really a lot of information out there about NSIP because of how rare it is. I know because when I was first diagnosed with NSIP, that was a frustration of mine because it was hard to find a lot of information about it, and I never knew anyone with NSIP. So this was yeah. actually a huge reason why I wanted to be an advocate for NSIP and bring awareness to it because I've always been a person who wants answers and who always just yeah. is eager to know. So it really didn't settle well with me when I found out how little information there was out there about NSIP. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Of course, we all,
1: when we get that diagnosis, um, uh, when we finally get the diagnosis NSIP, the first thing we do is we're going to go Google it, you know? Right. that's the worst thing you could probably do.
0: Absolutely.
1: Because they put it all with the pulmonary fibrosis group, and you've got five years to live, and you're stressed out, you're all stressed out, now that Google's telling you all these terrible things. Yeah, Google is um, definitely not
0: your friend. No.
1: No, no. And so, but, you know, that's when I, I mean, and when I was first diagnosed, and I'm probably aging myself a little bit, but you know the, the the Facebook wasn't as big with the groups and stuff. but I think, but I agree the the written documentation is not clear. Like you know WebMD when they talk about you know that, um, you know cardiac problems and stuff are so detailed and stuff like that. Right. I mean, when you go to NSIP, It's just I think it's because they don't know. You know right. I honestly believe it's so new they're just trying to figure it out and so I was and it's scary. And but at the end of the day. And I totally understand your, your belief, and you want the facts. You want to know what's going on. Right. And I was the same way when I was first diagnosed. And as I lived and I get an immature until <laughs> 47, I realized that it's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah, the uh, right. life that I've been given is going to be what it's going to be. I'm going to do the best I can with it. I'm going to enjoy this day. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what I think is right for my body, and then that's it yeah you know, that's all i can do and i'm not going kind to of stress out about it because i cried like a baby when he first and the doctors are so insensitive when they first oh, i, I, I went to, to the doctor and he said so doc am i going to be able to see my grandkids and he's like oh i doubt it that oh, was his the answer <laughs> i'm like
0: okay terrible. all right here we go thank you <laughs> oh. well you know it's just like you said um you know, I, like I like I said before in the last podcast, I've learned to live my life uh, by accepting that I do have this disease, but yeah. I don't let the disease control me. Um, right. I, you know, I, I, and I also, you know, I listen to what my doctors say. I appreciate my doctors, I really do, and in the and you know them helping me and and the things that, you know. I take what they say, but like I said in the last podcast, the ultimate to me for what works for how I feel is the ultimate decision of what's going to happen to me is ultimately up to God. So I just you know I I I live my life the the best I can and you know go to my doctors and do what they tell me to do and say my prayers and then you know because ultimately like, like I said, um, what's going to happen is it's all you know up to God so that's how I feel about yep. it
1: totally great
0: um, what challenges have you faced not only physically but mentally uh, also since you were diagnosed with NSIP a lot I mean you know that first diagnosis like I was mentioning is, is scary you know you've got, a, you've got
1: a, basically a, a fatal disease you know right like, um, uh, so that was scary, and so I—I I kind of went through some depression mm-hmm.
0: and things
1: like that. Um, but yeah, uh, I—it was almost i would say it was a good thing. But it, you know, being diagnosed with the disease kind of helped me realize what was important in my life.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, okay, I've got this thing, and I've got okay, I've got uh, you know. We all know we have a, a, a finite amount of time on this world. Right. And, but the disease kind of made me realize it. So, I went to a loveless marriage, which I, I was like, okay, I've got to get rid of this loveless marriage. I mean, I love my kids, but, so I divorced my husband and then later on found the love of my life. That's and wonderful. And so, it kind of pushed me, you know, to, to start living life the way it wants to. So, there are challenges and I try not to think about them. I mean. Like mm-hmm. you know, being able to, to to hike the Grand Canyon with my friends who want to go hike, or mm-hmm. you know, even staying overnight at a campground, I don't want to do that just because of the air and the cold air, you know, bothers me. And there's all kinds of things that we can't do with this disease, and we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest thing is that I try not to. But the biggest the biggest concern that I'd like to uh, I want to get out there is is the medication. I mean, the OSA we know is expensive. It's ten grand a month. Right. And then they have all these supplements to help you pay for it. But I was trying to make a life decision on whether to keep a job that I was miserable at, that had beautiful, excellent benefits, or go for a job that I loved and was passionate about that had zero benefits. Mm -hmm. And I was making that life decision because of my disease. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, i got this disease, I've got this medication, and I've got to take it. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to make it work. And I did. And yeah. I took the job that I love and I'm passionate about, which is running our company or, or our business. Mm-hmm. And I left our state job that I've been with for 20 years. But we made it work, you know. And yeah. uh, you just got to go for it. Yeah. You know? so, but it's just a bummer because there's people out there that can't that, that can afford those medications. And it just breaks my heart.
0: Well, you and the thing is, those people, you can't, you can't give up uh, for people out there. Yeah who are, you know, needing these medications like OFEV um, that Jennifer's talking about, um, there is financial assistance out there that yeah. you can uh, talk with your your doctors about um, or some type of financial assistance program you can talk to your hospitals about um, or either you can actually call the manufacturer of the drug and a lot of times if you may qualify for the, to get the medication free just through talking to the manufacturer of the drug. So don't let the first, if you're given a no, don't let that first no right. uh, get in the way of um, you um, you know, let, get in the way of you not getting what you need. There's always a way. Exactly. So you just exactly. have to find it. Just totally don't heard. give up. Um, yep. What um Jennifer, are there any significant changes, which I think you've covered a lot, uh, but I was going to say any significant changes that uh, you've had to make in your daily routine in order to adapt to NSIP? Yeah,
1: I mean, it is funny that it's the little things that we all get used to, you know, instead of standing up to do your makeup and hair, right? you know, you're now sitting down to do your makeup and hair.
0: Yeah, you know, instead
1: of standing in that long line, yes, you're putting someone else in there, and you're sitting down while they hold your place. Yes, you know, it's it's the little things that you uh, that you forget, that you, you you underappreciate.
0: Right, the little things you don't think about when you're healthy, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, even flying when I first. When I was two hundred eight pounds mm-hmm. flying, I required oxygen. I required a portable oxygen concentrator. Yeah, but uh, you know, so you got to deal with that. And now I don't. I have to have it. My oxygen saturation hover, you know, around the threshold, but on right. um, the old, you know, right. But it's just, uh, it's people don't. When you're going to a theme park, you got to decide whether you're going to be able to find somewhere to sit down. You know, you, everywhere where you look, you got to make sure you going to be able to take a break. Cause right. I mean, with this disease, we all know many people, I mean, you can you can walk or go for a little bit, but you got to stop and recover. And, exactly. And people, recovery time is longer and shorter. And yeah. Yeah. But yeah.
0: How has your family adjusted to you having uh, NSIP?
1: You know, I am probably, uh, I probably have downplayed it a lot with the kids because I have three teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, 14, 17, and 20 now. And so they were, you know, 10, about 10, 10 years younger when I first got diagnosed. I didn't want to scare them. Right. Um, and they know that I go to Seattle twice like a year to go get evaluated. And many of them have been with me and saw the tests that I go through. Um, but I think because I don't, you know, I don't say that I hide it, but I don't let, you know, like you, I'm not going to let this disease rule me. I'm going to rule this thing. And so Absolutely. I really show them that I I can get through this. But they know they know that I can't you know do this do that. But, you know they, they they carry the groceries for me and they know there's certain things that I just can't do. And they're always like, hey mom, we can go sit down over there, you know. <laughs> and my new husband is very supportive of me and the disease, especially as the doctors are starting to talk lung transplant. He's right. becoming a lot more involved. Um, and so, um and and I just don't think teenagers, we all know teenagers, they're, they're thinking about themselves, but right. Um but my first husband just did think I was sick. You know, and that was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that's really sad to see people and I think a lot of us get that because you don't look sick. Mhm. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. don't realize unless you get that oxygen attached to you. You would never you know. Right. Yeah. That's yeah.
0: Well, you know, support a support system, a good support system, is so important, and it sounds like you have that, and I'm I'm very glad to hear that you do. Yeah, no, it's good
1: to have a good husband, that's for sure. I listened to your first episode, and it's really good to have that. It's neat to have a your back, you know? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, what do you think is most important for our listeners that are battling their autoimmune diseases to know?
1: You know, to push, you know, don't let, don't just go to the doctor and do what they say. Educate yourself about what this is. Educate yourself about what's out there. You know, be, be aware of the new medications coming up. Ask them if you qualify for it. If you have, uh, yes. we all know is autoimmune. You know, I haven't been, I've been taking the autoimmune tests for a long time, trying to figure out what's underlying autoimmune. is. You still don't know. Right. So push for it. Make sure you get the full autoimmune you know, um, you know, if you don't like your doctor,
0: find another one. Right. Just don't give yeah. up on yourself, guys. You know, that's, yeah. that's what Jennifer's saying. Just, you know, keep pushing. Don't give up. Um, you know, you're... You, you... What I'm trying to say is that, you know, you're your... You are your... Your... Um, can't find the words, Jennifer, what I'm trying to say. Your longest yeah. advocate. Yes, You are your biggest really. advocate. You, I, yes, you, you took the words right from me. That is exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, do
0: no. you?
1: it's people you know, the thing is you're you're important too, and that's what you know, you're just as important as the guy with the cardio problem. Yes. You're just as important as the gal with cancer. your your disease is serious, it's life threatening. Don't let it, don't let them just put you in the corner because they don't know about it. You right. Know, those cancers and heart heart problems are known. They know how to treat them. These these are a puzzle. You know, like, okay, what? How do I do this? Right. Don't let it. You know, don't let some doctor hit the easy button on you. you know, right. You make them. Hit, you make them go through it all.
0: Right. You you fight for yourself. Um, you know, because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you you have to be. You're the only one. I mean, you have other people. You are you have other people beside you, but you are the most important one that needs to be out there fighting for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything else you want to share or add to today's segment, Jennifer?
1: No, I mean, you know, I've heard a lot in the forums about pulmonary rehab, and I really enjoyed pulmonary rehab when I did it. Yes. If you have a good pulmonary rehab system, you know, basically, they, they, what they do is they teach you how to exercise with this disease and they teach you how to watch your vitals and what's important. And they also, a good pulmonary rehab system will teach you how to push yourself with this disease. Yes. And that's good because especially those of us who are thinking lung transplant in the future, you want to be as strong as you can before you have that transplant and yes. if you just sit around waiting for the transplant it's going to be a lot
0: harder recovery absolutely yes um, you are okay. so right about it so like I, said, like I was saying earlier uh, being active exercising I mean that's so important so you know start now if you can you know, uh,
1: you know it doesn't have to be like jogging or running or stair steppers it could just be yoga and stretching and Deep breathing, I mean, that's even good, you know, Um, just to get your body used to moving and active, I mean, people say, you know, exercise, and we all think push-ups and set-ups and this and that, but I've really come to love, you know, good meditation, and it it not only helps my body, but it helps my soul, and it it clears my mind, and, you know, and I can focus, and, and it's really neat, and...
0: Um, and then walking, just, you know, slow walking even, you know. Yeah. It's not a big deal. But it doesn't to be hard. And, you know, a lot of this, uh, you know, what we're talking about, the exercising, it actually takes away your stress, brings your stress levels down. So, you know, yeah. that's definitely a plus in this as well because stress is definitely not good for, for our disease at all.
1: No. Mm-hmm. No.
0: Well, Jennifer, no, again, just, no, go ahead. The last thing is that I just, um, we're not, you know,
1: people say, oh, you're going to live this long, you're going to live that long. and we're, we're not a number. None of us, none of us know how long we're going to be here. And don't let them say, you
0: no. know, you've
1: know, only got 10 years left or whatever, because that's not true. No one knows when no. the number's going to be up.
0: That's, and that's so important for you to say. I'm so glad that you mentioned that, because um, you're right. Nobody knows and so don't don't let a number put fear in you You know keep living and and fighting and doing the best you can Well Jennifer again, I appreciate you so much for coming on here today with me and allowing me to interview you My my dog is starting to cut up. He's in there barking. I can hear him. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry, but uh, again i just want to tell you how appreciative i am for you coming on here today um it was a pleasure talking with you and connecting with you i know i feel so much joy knowing i'm not alone in this disease at all because there's other people out there just like me battling their diseases every day and now i've listened to someone come on here today with the same disease as me who i can relate to which is exactly the whole point of this podcast um I know this interview really... Go ahead,
1: go ahead. Go go ahead. So thankful for being on here. I really enjoy it. I think what you're doing is just amazing. I'm so proud of you for doing it, Mm. and I just can't wait to hear more of your podcast.
0: Well, I really appreciate that. I know your interview really educated and helped a lot of listeners out there. And remember, if you have any questions or comments about today's interview or just anything, any topics you want to hear about, um, please email me at the silent battle two zero two two at gmail.com. Again, the silent battle two zero two two at gmail.com. And always remember, life is tough, but so are you. Everyone, have a great rest of the day. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Bye bye. Bye bye.